1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks upcoming matchup on Tuesday night against the Memphis Grizzlies. So let's start here. The Knicks are pretty banged up. Quentin Grimes and OG Ananobi Obi are already listed as out for this game on Tuesday, which should concern you. At least the, the Quentin Grimes I'm not surprised about. I'm pretty sure there's it's half like he's actually hurt, which I do think he is. And then the other half is his representation saying, you're not playing him while he's got a sprained knee and you're trying to trade him. So at least until the trade deadline passes and until the all-star break, I think you'd be surprised to see Quentin Grimes again. Uh, the OG and Anobi thing is concerning. And I spoke to a ton of people about it on Tuesday, on, on Saturday uh, at our watch party. But the the thing I'll say, and it, it's something I believe I can say publicly uh, I was told that he has a reputation for like not playing if he's not a hundred percent. He's not someone that is like Randall or Brunson that will fight through injuries. Like he's someone that's gonna be wait until he's a hundred percent to 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 get back on the court. And we're just not used to guys like that. We we've played with so we, we've watched so many Iron Men uh, come through here over the last couple of years, and especially under Thibodeau. And I'm assuming that the reason Tibbs is, like, okay with it um, and is not, like, I don't know, that we haven't heard any rumblings that, like, remember how he got upset about Grimes missing those two playoff games uh, is because who represents Tibbs and who represents OG Ananobi. That is the dots I'm connecting at the moment and my reckless speculation. Uh, So hopefully OG Ananobi, it's one more game. And then if, if he misses Thursday, then I'll that's when I'll start to get really concerned that we're now two weeks into this injury and it's, it's inflammation and this isn't baseball where Tommy John surgery is around the corner. I say all of this because while the Knicks will be missing uh, four potential starters, I know Hartenstein is technically the new starter over Robinson and he absolutely deserves that designation, but four key rotation players, the Memphis Grizzlies on the other hand, uh, for their most recent game against the Boston Celtics in which they lost by 40 um, they had 13 players out due to injury and only eight players were available. Those eight players were Luke Kennard, David Roddy, three guys that are on two-way contracts and three guys that are on 10-day contracts. They're literally just hiring part-time help to help them during a shorthanded season on staff. So the Knicks should still be able to win this game and start a new winning streak uh, on Tuesday night. The I mean, look, Josh Hart would be their best player if you just like gave him a player to To try and make it even for tonight. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if it's next to take care of business and start a new winning streak. Unfortunately, their, their nine-game winning streak was snapped on Saturday, and we were all in person uh, watching together with so many of you at T-Squared Social on Saturday. This is where I'll just take a quick second to say thank you to all of you that came to this event in the city. It was so great to meet so many of you. I actually want to criticize myself, if I can, because... I made a point going into the night that I was gonna try and remember a ton of names and a ton of interactions that I had. And I like vividly, I, I in my head remember so many of you and the conversations we had about how much you love the show and how much uh I had someone come up and say that they turned their mom onto the show, and then their mom came over and said, I love the show, it's GMAC. And it was so cool to to meet so many of you. And I'm so sorry that I forgot every single person's name. A lot of moving pieces that night. A lot of plates were spinning, especially when like you're also trying to coordinate and run the event as well. So, I apologize that I don't have a specific person to thank. So, I would just thank every single one of you that came up to me, that came up to John, that came up to all of us that were there and uh expressed their gratitude for what we do on this show and and, and here at Nick's Film School. Um I am hoping that the next one we do will finally put this regular season KFS curse to bed. We are currently looking at the end of March for potentially doing another one. We have our KFS at MSG game in, in March as well. So very busy month upcoming in March. Uh, but we'll obviously keep you posted. But uh, we had a blast. Um, the next could have won and it would have made it perfect. But uh, obviously, you don't always get uh, things to be perfect. And we'll settle for just things being 99% awesome. So sincerely, thank you. And now let's get to the show. My conversation is going to be with Keith Parrish today. He's been covering the Memphis Grizzlies for more than a decade. Uh, Very animated person. So be prepared for a large energy boost for a guy that's covering a team that's 18 and 32. Uh, He hosts the Grits and Grinds podcast, which is an outstanding name. Uh, He also hosts a show called The Fast Break Breakfast. Uh, Both the links to that are, of course, in the YouTube and the podcast description. So let's get into it. My conversation with Keith about the Memphis Grizzlies and this matchup on Tuesday night. Enjoy. Joining me now here for another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show with the Knicks ready to take on the Memphis Grizzlies, hopefully about to start a new nine game winning streak and maybe even better. I will settle for just healthy basketball players playing for either team at this point. We welcome in from the Grits and Grinds podcast, but You probably mostly know him from the Fast Break Breakfast podcast. Mr. Keith Parrish, welcome to the Knicks Film School podcast, sir.
2: Thanks for having me. I am excited to be here. Um, More excited to be here than I am to watch the Grizzlies play the Knicks
1: (laughs) on Tuesday. So little little behind the scenes, more just a reference to a a recent episode of Knicks Film School. We do our weekly episode that drops every Monday morning with Jonathan Macri and Jeremy Cohen. And they were going through the injury report for the Knicks. And, you know, Julius Randle is out. He had a dislocated shoulder. Uh, Quentin Grimes is out. He's a sprained knee. Oji Ananobi, his elbow inflammation. And as a result, Tibbs is playing all the starters, all the minutes at the moment. (laughs) And it, we we're going through the trade deadline and who we we're going to trade for. And Jeremy made a comment like, yeah, the Knicks are like the got to be the most banged up team in the league. Right. <laughs> and in the moment, I was like, yeah, I mean, like, it seems like we're just we're we're so shorthanded. And as soon as we logged off, I saw this injury report pop up for the Grizzlies. And I'll just read off how the Knicks, how the Grizzlies are going to come into this game. John Morant out with a shoulder. Des yeah. Bane out with an ankle. Brandon Clark out with an Achilles. Victor Oladipo out. Uh, Marcus Smart out. Zaire Williams out. Then doubtful, Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman. And then questionable, Derrick Rose, Sandy Aldama, and Vince Williams Jr., so who's playing on Tuesday night? That's where I'll start this uh, it's conversation. A, it's a great how, how question. He, like who's going to be actually playing basketball and will I recognize them? On the- no, no, you, you
2: won't, won't know any of them. Know. It, okay, It will be, it looks like it's going to be horrible again. I mean, the entry report, like you said, we have these doubtfuls. Like if J- Jaron Jackson Jr. is doubtful, he's not playing. Like they've, yeah. there's, there's no chance he plays. So we got a preview. If you saw any of the Grizzlies 40 point loss to the Celtics on Sunday. I did. They, yeah, They played. Luke Kennard, David Roddy, and then three 10-day guys and three two-way guys. So, like, no, you're not going to know any of these guys. Um, okay. Like, I feel like you could cr- like, the real NBA sickos, cross your fingers that, like, Vince Williams Jr. plays because he's questionable, but, like, he's not playing. I think they're right. going to punt this, this game again. I don't know if it's, like, full tank season. I don't feel like it actually is. I just think, honestly, they're really hurt. And a lot of the guys have been so banged up like all year. We've dealt with these catastrophic injuries. Of course, like Steven Adams was out for the year and then we traded him, you know, for just Oladipo's contract. He doesn't even really count, but like as far as the guys who were missing, but then you had these serious injuries happen to Desmond Bain and Marcus Smart. And because of that, now when you see Derek Rose or Vince Williams, Jr. Or Jaron, a little banged up, they're like, you know what? The Knicks are pretty good. Let's just maybe everyone take it easy. That's that's at least my inference for what happened against the Celtics and what I think is going to happen against the Knicks.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting, the the last two Grizzlies games I did tune in for that weren't the game that they played against the Knicks. uh, It was part of me scoreboard watching in that they were uh, going to play the Magic, and they were going to play the Heat, and those are the last two wins. And I noticed how like much of a pain it was to to play the Grizzlies. Now, I have no idea how many of those players that played in those two games will be playing in this game against the Knicks, because as you mentioned, they just lost by 40. But to the Knicks fan that only remembers how difficult it was to win in Memphis, and I'll just speak personally, that was like very impressed by Vince Williams. Like I I actually would be a little worried coming into this game if the Grizzlies are going to come with that same tenacity that we saw. I'll even go a step further. In the game against the Heat that I saw in the first game of Terry Rosier, like, is there a world where just by I'll go to, to speak to the name of your show, the yeah. grit and grind right. of the Grizzlies, like the Knicks are in for a matchup where I'm gonna be sweating out fourth quarter minutes on Tuesday?
2: I would be stunned if we had anything to sweat about. I think we're gonna be sweating whether or not the Knicks cover or whatever the 17 and a half point spread or whatever it ends up being. Um, I'm gonna look that up while we. I while don't you, know, like, like <laughs> the, there's a, like I know we're like previewing the game, but like I, you've caught me like a weird shell shocked kind of like. moment of just like Brother, what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> like you know, know it's a 12 um, and a half is the I know. spread.
1: So, you, you're, honestly, you're the I would, method. I don't think
2: there's any, I don't think Vince is going to play, and I don't think Jaron's going to play. And those guys have been the heart and soul of this banged up injury team. And even like John Conchar, and what you saw when the Grizzlies beat like the Magic and they beat the Heat and like they took the Pacers down to the wire and they like they've blown, they beat the Warriors like a little bit over a week ago. You had these incredible defensive squats. And you had Jaron doing kind of this superhuman offensive, uh carrying the offensive burden. But a lot of it was just like the scrapping. And maybe they were, the other team was like taking you for granted or overlooking the opponent. But like you had Vince Williams Jr. Who's amazing basically. And like this, some kind of like, it was almost like 90s Knicks basketball where like, they were just beating people up. They were holding teams under a hundred points. It doesn't happen a lot in the NBA nowadays. And they were doing it you know, game after game. And they had some of that three point shooting variants go their way. And so the Grizzlies were making 15 threes a game. They take a lot of threes and like their opponent was missing their threes. And sometimes they play opponents. They don't shoot that many threes and because of that. The Grizzlies were, were winning that formula. Like we have this guy named, uh, Tucson Uwama. No one knows who that is. Like he played his first NBA game a couple days ago and like we started Trey Jemison and it's like, we're starting, like, there's no prayer even. I mean, we're hanging in these games cause like they're NBA players sort of. And like, yeah, we're down two to the Celtics halfway through the first or the second quarter. But like eventually, no, it, it, it gets out of hand. So, I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen because weird things happen in NBA basketball games, but it's hard for me to spin the story of like, Hey, you Knicks fans better watch out. Uh-huh. Because, like, Luke Kennard, if he gets going, he might take
1: 12 shots. You I You know, think, and it's like... I think the the, the fear that, if I can speak to the Knicks fans' PTSD uh-huh. that's yeah. existed this season is, well, like, just how they... The current version of the Knicks and how they've won games is it's been somewhat fluky over the last week. Um, And I don't want to say... Like, I don't want to question the blueprint too much, but they've just been playing these lineups with no shooting whatsoever. It's been Jalen Brunson, be awesome. And then it's Dante DiVincenzo, do your best Clay Thompson impersonation. And then it's Josh Hart, presses Chua, and Isaiah Hartenstein are the other three guys on the floor. So you're playing these two guards that are good from three with these three other players that just are not commanding any gravity or any spacing whatsoever. And for the first three games this week, it worked. And when you're playing a team like Charlotte, that... You know, doesn't has also packed it up for the season, and then you're playing a team like Utah that was in the last game of a road trip, and then DiVincenzo hit nine threes, and then you have Jalen Brunson's heroics against Indiana on Thursday. It all seemed to kind of come to a head against the Lakers in the fourth quarter on Sunday, where the Lakers just said, "We're going to double Jalen Brunson, and if anybody else dares, that." You you you'll beat us. Like if Precious Achua hits threes, fine. You'll beat us. If Josh Hart finally decides to hit threes, you'll beat us. And I guess I I trust Taylor Jenkins enough to be like, okay, like I get my guys to play hard enough. Jalen Brunson, you're the only one that's not going to beat us. Now you're painting a picture that yeah. not gonna be able to, he's not going to have guys to do that. So they're just our guys. I
2: mean, okay. I don't even know what to say where it's just like, you know, a lot of fans are like, oh man, we fought hard. And it's mm-hmm. like, I guess I- I'm a big believer in like every team fights hard. Except like there's rare instances of like, oh, that team gave up or like right, that, team, that right. team. I saw hates, Charlotte quit. on. Yeah. Like you're that. like, That's that fair. team okay. hates their coach. Uh, like, mm. like Nick Richards, he's not having fun out there. Right. He's like, just throw me the ball once guys, like just throw, you know, um, I, so it's hard for me to imagine like, okay, what if the Knicks make four three pointers? Like, can we do it? But even then we're talking about like, we need Scotty Pippen jr to have a pretty good game. And Scottie Pippen Jr. is like the guy as Grizzlies fans were like, you know what? He's looked pretty okay for a two-way guy. Like his Mm -hmm. jumper looks pretty solid, but the concept of like, all right, we have to have Pippen play well. I mean, maybe Gigi Jackson goes off. So like you had a great view of him the last time the Knicks and Grizzlies played. Gigi was tremendous and he's the youngest player in the NBA, highly volatile. He looked a lot better when there was like six or seven better guys than him to play with, you know, like now that it's been like, all right, man, you can shoot all you want. It's kind of been like, Oh, you're very raw. Uh, like, like a lot of your shots miss very badly. Uh, I think last, the last game against the, the Celtics, he took 24 shots and had four turnovers and one assist. He made eight of them. And it was just like, Woo, this is kind of a lot. And meanwhile, like Luke Kennard's making the right play all the time. And it's like, Luke, I don't know if you know this, but like you should shoot every time. Cause we have nothing. And then it's like David Roddy's out there and David Roddy's like, I don't know, a horrible Josh Hart. I don't know what the comparison is for David Roddy. Like <laughs> He's just like David Roddy's like an 11th man. Okay, uh-huh. he, He's an 11th or 12th man. And like, he has some okay moments, but like, if you're like, you're our third best player, you just, you can shoot all you want. He can't even dial that up. Like there's no, he. he's not scalable. It's not one of these guys where, like, Hey, it's my night. Um, We're like, I don't know who the perfect example of this is where it's like, Oh, you know, like a Jordan Clarkson, like you need me to play 20 minutes, uh, score 16, score 20 on a good night. And then some nights like, Oh, you need me to play 36 minutes can I shoot all I want? And he's going to go for 35. Like he can turn it up. He's scalable. Uh, David Roddy, not scalable. Gigi Jackson, not scalable. Uh, Jacob Gilliard, if any of your f- f- listeners know who that is not scalable. So like, it, it's hard for me to like, again, you want me to concoct a scary picture of the Grizzlies and maybe I'm doing a good enough job of like, um, I'm roping open you guys where I'm saying, listen, we're really in a bad spot
1: right now. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With the NBA season more than midway through and the NFL season with just three games left, now is as good a time as any to pick combo projections across sports from the specials league. For example, on any given night, take Jalen Brunson over in points, Julius Randle over in rebounds, or OG Ananobi over in steals. Then combine it with two NFL props, like Patrick Mahomes over in passing yards, or Christian McCaffrey over in touchdowns. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. This is where Knicks fans... I hope we're listening and that we're very frustrated by the loss on, on Saturday against the Lakers because of all the emotions that go into a primetime game with LeBron James and that are worried that the sky is now going to start falling. If the Knicks are any hint of good, of what, of what good that we think they've become over the last month since they made the trade and how good Jalen Brunson is, they should be able to win this game pretty handily is what you're saying.
2: Well, I, I've got a question. I, maybe this okay. speaks to what? I mean, I'm 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 aware of the Knicks and their franchise's history. Like yeah. I like I, I read Blood in the Garden pretty recently from Chris Herring, and so like I know like that was the last time it was good. But mm-hmm. you guys, you guys are coming off. weren't you guys fourteen and two in January?
1: It was fourteen and two in January. They okay. Were- they were there 15 and 3 overall since the the turn of the calendar. Yeah.
2: Okay, so you you're 15 and 3 since the turn of the calendar. You were like plus 16 net rating last month and you're like distraught that you lost a game to the Lakers and yep. it's just like guys, like the internalized PTSD you guys have from being so terrible for so long. I mean, sympathies um
1: but, but you, you know, understand
2: it. Like I get it, but it is it is funny. It speaks just to the nature of sports fandom and the sickness of like people have trouble enjoying things. And it's just like you guys things are going great um for you guys. And like I, I was like I was preaching this a lot, and maybe it speaks to like, I don't know. Like I'm in my 40s and I've been watching the NBA for you know like three decades, like pretty hardcore. And I had, I have like, I feel like I have awareness as a sports fan. And this might be a thing where I'm like a small market sports fan and none of my teams have ever done well. You know, like, I, like I don't have any titles to speak of in my sports fandom. Um, I went to Florida State. We won a national title in football, but like my pro teams never sniffed it. Uh, the Titans made the Super Bowl once. And so it's like, anyways, I think part of that has gotten me to learn to just enjoy the games, like enjoy the fact that the season in the NBA is forever. And like, I like winning basketball games and I like it on a Tuesday night when I win and there's this rings culture. I don't know why I'm on this now. I know why. I don't want to talk about the Grizzlies game tomorrow. No more. Gonna, yeah, yeah, I can um, tell. <laughs> but I've gotten to the point where like, you know, I can enjoy things to like, the, like I think there's a, there's this problem with rings culture where it's like, well, what is he going to do in the playoffs? Or, like, or can you win with a Julius Randall, Mitchell Robinson front court in the postseason if there's no spacing? It's like, guys, The Knicks have been terrible for three decades, (laughs) you know, like we can just enjoy things. And like, it's also, um, I would say complimenting myself, like my ability to enjoy things. Like when the Grizzlies were good, like really good, like a couple of years ago, I was soaking it in, Mm -hmm. I was just telling people like, guys, we're like the two seed and we're crushing teams and that might go away and you never know when it's going to go away. And like, I was, you know, like our, um, We struggled in the first round a couple years ago against the Timberwolves and like we won, I think, four to two, but like three of the games were fourth quarter comebacks from double digits down. And people were like, Man, you should feel embarrassed. You almost lost to the Timberwolves. I'm like, Nope. That was my Super Bowl. Like, as long as we didn't get upset in the first round, I'm ecstatic. And so, like, there's so it's funny to me as a sports fan where it's like, I know we just have to like love that our teams are winning and our teams are good. And it's not all about like, well, can we beat the whoever? Can we beat the Celtics in the finals? It's like, man, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the gross. Like, listen, you're going to be down by eight in the first quarter tomorrow because someone dumb on the Grizzlies is going to make like four three pointers. And you're like, honestly, you read off your injury report. I kind of forgot some of those guys were out. Like, uh, I knew OG hadn't been playing recently, but like, all right. I feel like as a Grizzlies fan, if we actually suited up our questionable guys, Mm -hmm. like, I think we can handle precious in the front court. Like, you know, I think, I think Jaron can probably roam off of him and play that free safety defense that he hasn't gotten to do a lot of this year. Um, it's what basically how he won defensive player of the year last year, because he got to roam off of everybody all the time and was just blocking every shot and getting a ton of steals. And like Jaron has leveled up offensively. And so like, you know, there's a formula out there. If like, we can play just however many minutes of like Luke Kennard, John Conchar, Vince Williams, and Jaron with anybody else will be fine. But going back to the top of the show, those guys aren't playing. No one's yeah. playing. It's it's all people where I'm like, I'm like, I have to write out the names phonetically. It's like Uwama. Mm-hmm. Uwoma? I'm still learning. Right, so right. it's like, yeah, these guys, I don't think they're uh, yeah, I don't think you have to be on upset watch. But hey, if you win by 12 and don't cover, be happy, man. You guys are gonna be 16 and three since the calendar
1: turned. Yes, yes. So I uh, let, let me start here. So <laughs> The PTSD I think speaks of to half of the Knicks fan base is that New York is an interesting city. Sure, when it comes to how many sports teams we have, I I'm in particular, I'm also a Jets fan and also a Mets fan, and I've seen what it happens when it's all of a sudden just crashes and burns, and I'm always on you know Flight watch, where you're just like ready. (laughs) All right, I'm just making sure the pilot's still awake, you know? And then there's the expectations that come from the Knicks fans that are also Yankee fans and Giants fans and have titles to speak of and that. that look ahead to like, well, do it in the playoffs. So what are you going to look like in quote unquote October? Right? When did like, the
2: Giant? Was the Giants won like ninety? That's <laughs> what in twenty eleven and two thousand. Oh, Eli Manning!
1: I Both erased, Eli, the, Manning I erased exactly. Eli Manning from my memory. Oh, you that's can it. in New York. That's he, amazing. Is. That gets that's brought up on a daily basis around that's us. Amazing. So uh, the point being, though, I think it's a mix of everything where there are expectations of wanting to be great again. And specifically to this next season where I, it's the best I think they've looked in this Tom Thibodeau, Leon Rose era that now that guys are hurt and now that like they had reached a point last Saturday against Miami where they had just beaten the, the Nuggets by like 35 and mm-hmm. then they were going to beat Miami and it's like, oh, this is. This seems sustainable. This looks what a contender usually looks like. And in the same game, OG Ananobi and Julius Randle got hurt. And now we're just like, okay, can we manage through the deadline? I am happy to hear that if they just play a competent game of basketball on Tuesday, they should both win (laughs) and cover again. Yeah. I think if they tie
2: tie their shoelaces tight, they they should be fine. I mean, just do the normal stuff, go out there and rebound. Don't turn the basketball over. You should be fine. I mean, what what you speak of also, it's like there's ebbs and flows of every NBA season. And it's Mm like, you always have these stretches where it's like, Oh my goodness. Over the last 15 games, we have a, this goes for every team. You can, you can cherry pick them out where it's like the Grizzlies are the best three point shooting team over the last 15 games. And even teams that win the title, mm. you know, like the nuggets last year where it's like, yeah, you play great for 15, 20 games. And then you don't, you know, for like 10 or 15 games, as long as the injuries don't become insurmountable, that's when like the plane crashes, as you were saying. And that's, what's happening to the Grizzlies right now, this season for the Grizzlies, like the plane crashed. And you talk about like games lost to injury like the Grizzlies are so far ahead in games lost to injury. It's, it's just ridiculous. And that doesn't even count the 25 game suspension that John ja Moran had. Like it's games lost to injury. And then, Oh, by the way, like I can't remember. I think we were six and 19 in the first 25 games. Right. when John ja Moran was suspended. So like the season started on a, Hey, this is pretty bad. And then of course, Steven Adams found out he after playing a couple of preseason games. He wasn't going to play the whole year. So we, we went into the first game, like, Hey, this might go really badly, um, but we're still optimistic. And then we basically had our, I don't know, I don't want to be too graphic with whatever. I was just saying, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's Nose. Let's yeah, go with just bloody you go. Nose. He uh,
1: got knocked in the face.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was like, no, oh, this is going way worse than we anticipated. And then it got to a comical degree when we lost whatever it was Desmond Bain and Marcus Smart in consecutive games, where it's like, oh, well, it was Ja, Dez, and Marcus in like three straight games where we lost him for the year or not the year job ja for the year. And then, you know, Bane for however long he's supposed to return into the month, hopefully. And same with Marcus, but then it became like, okay, this is absurd now. And mm-hmm. now we're suiting up. Now we've been granted emergency roster spots, you know, <laughs> and yeah. So we're, we're filling out. Our, we're like, Hey, we can't play a game tonight unless Matthew hurt. It gets signed, you know? And so that's where we're at. So
1: going into this trade deadline on yeah. Thursday, is there, mm. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm curious just from the perspective of both the Grizzlies fan. And, and if you have any insight into how the front office thinks about this season, but you mentioned like the season from hell that they apparently are going through with how many injuries that they've, they've had to overcome. And I don't even know if it's, you could say overcome that they're just dealing with at the <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah, Overcome you know? is generous
2: reading of the situation. Right. right. <laughs> so
1: like, is there even a thought to, is it just like stand pat at, at the deadline? Who's going to want guys that we have that are available and, is this really just like a full reset season where you, you live with whatever draft pick you get and reassess in the off season? Or do you think they'll be active on Thursday?
2: I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be extremely active. I don't know if they do anything, but like I think trading Steven Adams last week was kind of getting their ducks all in a row. So they could be super active so they could go ahead and get things set up. Like, yeah, this year is all about next season. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that's the perspective that we try to share with our listeners and also like, I feel like the broader NBA community and like other national media members, it's, it's a good thing to keep in mind with the Grizzlies. It's just how young they still are. And like Jared Jackson Jr. And Desmond Bain and John Morant are all 25 and younger and they're all signed for a long time. And that's an incredibly young core. And you can make a strong argument like that's maybe the best three-man core under 25 in the whole league. I mean, there's other teams that would make a similar argument, but like the Grizzlies should be very, very good Going forward. And this year is the gap year. It's the lost year. There's no getting it back. There's no sneaking into the play in. And maybe it could become like this hidden, you know, blessing that like you end up with a lottery pick you did not know you were going to get. You did not anticipate getting a top 10 pick or maybe like an 11th pick this year and you're going to. And because of that, you have to assess, I think, your roster and say like this year doesn't matter anymore. Like we don't, we don't need necessarily whoever it is, like Xavier Tillman, it's an expiring salary and Xavier's had some big moments for us and he's a nice, comfortable backup big to have. And we can depend on him to step in and start playoff games like he's done in the past, but also like, is that someone we can replace next year? And is that someone who a team might think, Hey, we could use like the Celtics are like, Hey, we could use an emergency big, you know, so we don't just have like Horford and Porzingis. We'll give you two second round picks. And you, this is probably the trade deadline where you say, yes, that's fine. We'll start, we'll start this clock over looking for another like fourth big. Um, I think the Luke Kennard question is super interesting. Like, are there any teams out there who, who value Luke Kennard enough to offer you like several, I think basically the trade markets have become like just how many second round picks do you get? There's very few um, first round picks out there as I think we all know. Cause like the jazz and, Pelicans and Thunder are hoarding them all. We have a broken system of uh, draft pick compensation right now. Um, but like, so like if someone offered you four second round picks or like the Sadiq Bay five second round picks, are, you're probably trading Luke Kennard. Um, but then you get into like the weird situation of the Grizzlies being probably a luxury tax team next year and you don't want to lose him for nothing. You want to bring back a player maybe who's even signed in the next year. So you don't lose that salary cap slot. Um, when you're dealing with building your roster. So I think they'll be super active in those ways. And then also, like they have this not trade player exception that they got in the Steven Adams trade because they were able to take back Victor Oladipo into the John Morant disabled player exception. Uh, you have Victor Oladipo, like Victor Oladipo can match all kinds of salary just by himself. Like, I think it, you can we can take back nearly 17 million if we trade Oladipo. So I do feel like it would behoove the Grizzlies to, you know, keep their options open. And if like you know, teams are trying to just shed salary. Like you think of like the six, I think the Sixers are a luxury tax team. And like, they don't want, like, I don't think Robert Covington might play again, you know, this year or something. And like, they have these guys, like they want to dump that salary. And so the Grizzlies could be like, we'll take Robert Covington, you know, or we'll t- we'll take whoever it is. We'll take freaking cork or the, the Clippers want to cut their luxury tax saving or, or, or expenses. And then, you know, you want to be that kind of, res- you know, you want to be open to saying, like, we'll send you back either Xavier Tillman or, you know, it wouldn't hurt to trade away like one of the, the Grizzlies wings. They have too many wings, basically. They have too many wings who aren't good. Uh, which is the, which is the real way to say it. Like we don't need all of Roddy and Conchar and Zaire Williams and Jake LaRavia, because by the way, we have Vince Williams Jr. Who's amazing. And it's like, so I think they'll probably look to try to move one of those guys, probably taking some salary. I know I've been talking for a long time, Um, but uh, I'm listening. I, I do think that they will be super active at the trade deadline. And then of course, like I think as fans were thinking, is there a player out there who actually could fit with this young core that you could get who's discounted? I'm like circling like, Hey magic, do you really need Gogo Batadze? I saw you DMP him. Tell me more. Um, and like Pacers, Jalen Smith, what's he up to? Yeah. Uh, you guys have Pascal Siakam and Miles Turner, and I know he's pretty cool, but like, well, what's the price there? And so then I think you're going to be looking to see if you can bring one of those guys in. So I don't
1: know about, the first of all, as far as the second round picks are concerned, you nailed it. That there's just like I believe right now, as it currently stands, only three teams will currently make their second round picks yeah, from where yeah. they land. It's the Spurs, yeah. the Heat, and the Magic are the only teams that own the rights to their own second round pick this year. So that is that's a, that is a, a part of the the calculus that people are making. It's like, all right, well, round of first, so we're just going to trade all the seconds going forward. Um, My only thought about the the Grizzlies reset year is like going into the offseason, as you mentioned, like a player that might fit into the young core. Like this was a low key contender. This is the two seed the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a rebuild, is whatever you get in the draft? Like if you could speak to how Grizzlies fans think about the upcoming offseason, is it still like we're looking to improve and maybe add a player and we still have all our picks and You know, is is it's it's, the draft isn't even a consideration to accumulate a player. It's very much Uh. like we're trying to add a, a, a guy that could get us to the next I level. Mean, so,
2: so a lot of people mentioned this idea of like, if we get like the ninth pick, do we mm-hmm. trade that for a player? And my skepticism is like, name the last time that happened in the NBA where like you traded the 10th pick for a guy who was any good. It, it, it's not a frequent thing that occurs like where you basically get like a, a proven, you know, player who can come in and start for you, like for the Grizzlies, you're thinking start at the five or maybe start at the three and like the players who might be available, like when we start naming real names, there aren't guys who you could get. Like it was like OG, you know, OG yeah. was the guy who apparently the Grizzlies made, you know, a uh, offer last trade deadline of three first round picks. They wanted OG and Anobi. there aren't, just players available. Everyone covets the same thing, you know, and it's everyone cove, covets wings who can defend and who can score, you know, ideally create their own shot a little bit. Who cares if OG doesn't do that? He does all the other stuff. And so it's like, um, did you want to weigh in? I'm sorry. Well, so just
1: like one name that were, I was thinking of as far as the last time a lottery pick got traded for a good player and it wasn't um, like part of like it wasn't the Anthony Davis trade, right? So Jimmy Butler got traded for the seventh pick in Zach Levine. And the seventh pick became Laurie Markkinen. So like, funny enough, Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen have been, I have no idea how available Laurie Markkinen actually is. I actually think that was Danny Ains just saying to somebody, if someone wants to give me a Godfather offer, fine, um, but I'm not trading him. And it's, to him being, it's, he's saying the obvious, blow me yeah. away, make me an offer I can't refuse, but I'm actually not trying to trade that. Yeah, and but I don't even, Okay, if someone wants to make me an offer I can't refuse.
2: I feel like, I, I mean, uh, I'm curious, do you, I'm curious if you have the same opinion. Like, mm-hmm. my opinion is, I feel like GMs now, are, I don't know if they're smarter or maybe they're just more wary of like. There are what, very
1: few Isaiah Thomas's out but there. But
2: I'm now. saying, yeah. I'm saying like, even if you ignore like Jimmy Butler not wanting to be on, you know, the Bulls or whatever, like you have, you, you could not offer a current GM like the seventh pick for Larry Marketing because like they would say, like, what am, no, like Larry is the best I, case scenario of the seventh pick. You know, I, like it's so I, like you have to offer so much more. Like it's the whole, oh, if I got a seventh pick, it could be anything. Even Larry right. marketing. And it's well, like, he, I do think you going a seventh part.
1: pick right now for Zach Levine. I will That's say true. that. I do, think that he's, I do think he's gettable. I I think you make
2: a point there that, yeah, I can't argue with that. Zach the, Levine, we can have him for the, the difference
1: pick. makers that... Would actually help the Grizzlies next year. I don't yep. think you could. Tr- I think you could package the seventh I mean, but or, also, the or the eighth, ninth pick. Also,
2: you get stuck with whatever the the new CBA, where all the right. owners agreed that the second apron is going to be unpalatable to everyone, and so. The Grizzlies can't like, I mean, Zach Levine doesn't fit. They're not trading for Zach Levine, but you can't, they couldn't trade for anybody even making $40 million. You'd have to gut your whole roster again. And it would be, you know, you'd have John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jared Jackson Jr., P- player X making 40 million and then it would be Trey Jemison, Matthew Hurt and whatever G leaguers were available that night. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a thing they're going to do. Um, so like that, because of all of that and with all that long preamble, I think the Grizzlies are going to cross their fingers and just draft somebody with the eighth pick and like hope. Maybe this could be our uh, Jalen Williams, the good one. Maybe this could be whoever it is, our, our Shay or whoever, you know, there's always good guys who get taken between eight and like the, you know, 19, 20, 21, there's all these really good players like Jalen Johnson on the Hawks not too long ago. And it's like, I think you just draft, um, whoever it is, you say, Hey, we got lucky. We didn't think we were getting a top 10 pick this year. Hopefully that person can contribute and they might not. And I know Griss's fans have PTSD over like drafting Zaire Williams with the 10th pick, but like, Just what is what it is. The Grizzlies have been nailing a lot of their draft picks. They've nailed a ton of their second round picks. They've missed a couple of their later first rounders. That's what happens. You just hope, you know, I think, I think your best chance of winning a title, if we want to go back to rings culture, your best chance of ever winning a title with John Morant as your best player. um, Even if you're flanked by like, I don't know, a top 30 player in Jaron and a top 30 player in Desmond Bain, your best chance probably at ever winning a title is getting super lucky with the ninth pick in the 2024 draft and that guy becoming another guy who's as good as those players or becomes like a top 50 player. And then you fill it out with other, you know, okay. Veterans. Okay. Young players. You get lucky on a guy like Vince Williams jr. And then that's like the, the, the path to contention or even, you know, winning a title. Not that winning a title is everything. So because of that, I I think, yeah, I think they're going to probably keep that pick just because again, coming up with fake trades. Like I came up with fake trades to get like, you know, like, I want to get Cam Johnson. You know, like, I dream mm. of Cam Johnson. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think Cam Johnson costs too much. But, like, coming up with, like, hey, we're going to trade and get Lowry and It just doesn't seem feasible in today's NBA. Like, the Thunder should do that. The Thunder, in my mind, the Thunder have the ammunition. You have all these picks. Like, go get Larry Markin. You guys are awesome. And let me tell you, it can crumble quickly. Mm. It just takes one Shea Gilders will a suspension. And then well, a few more, and then a few more injuries, and all of a sudden you're like, "Well, I guess we're gonna pick eighth this year if we're lucky."
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the the other reason to argue on behalf of just like keep the pick and go best player available is mm-hmm. you mentioned the CBA. You're gonna you're gonna eventually need some affordable talent, like affordable yeah, salaries yeah, on your yeah, yeah. Like the Knicks, I think, are in this place right now because. They struck gold, getting Jalen Brunson at the number he's at, and they got Jay- Julius Randle, another All Star, at the number he's at. And they don't like they don't have a max contract on their roster at the moment. Like Isaiah Hartenstein is outperforming his value, Dante Divincenzo is outperforming his value. Like Josh Hart at this point looks like an overpay, but for what a role player is, it's actually probably fine for, for what his number is. And I'm curious to, to ask you for your opinion of the Knicks and what they've done this, at least since the OG and trade that the Grizzlies didn't make. Um, just we like, were rebuffed, Andrew. I'm just saying. I know you tried. I know you tried. tried. I'm sorry. I'm right sorry. There. We yeah, didn't have, we have an Emanuel in. quickly to throw well, in so there. What is your? Th- what was your reaction when the Knicks got Ananobi and it wasn't like when you heard what the price was a year ago that was turned down and the Knicks didn't even have to trade a first round pick in yeah. order to make that trade work?
2: I mean. Uh, I think my reaction at the time was like, I understood it. I understood one, why the, the, uh, I mean, it seemed questionable to me that the Raptors didn't do maybe what was offered, but I'm assuming what was offered was the Grizzlies pick last year, which was a bad pick. And you know, the, like we're, we're talking about, Hey, you want the 25th pick twice. And then a warrior's pick. Now the warrior's pick has turned out to be maybe really, really good. Like the Grizzlies traded that warrior's pick, you know, as part of the Marcus smart package and whoops, Mm -hmm. Like I kind of wish we could redo that. That has turned out very badly for the Grizzlies so far. I mean, maybe Marcus Smart will be part of next year's amazing Grizzlies team. Who knows? But um, my initial thought was like, all right, that makes sense that like uh, the Raptors didn't take our bad first round picks. Again, assuming they were bad first round picks Um, and that just getting RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly guys who contribute, that makes sense. I thought, I felt like when you start considering like what RJ Barrett makes and what quickly is going to make, it's like that, I don't know if that's that big of a deal, um, for, or that great of a deal. It's more of like a, eh, okay, you know, <laughs> like you could still be competitive with those guys. Um, from the Knicks' perspective, and I was, I mean, I, I underestimated maybe the influence it would have. I know, um, the season will have its crests and its falls, but like the Knicks have been so good with OG, mm-hmm. where I was like, oh like maybe this trade was more impactful because like my quick joke about it, which is basically how I interpret all NBA trades was like, oh, well, there's a kind of a meaningless trade. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's like, <laughs> it's fun for both teams. You know, like it's like, it's a good team got good and neither team is still better than the good teams. So it's like, yeah, that's a fine trade as an NBA league pass watcher. I like it because it's variety. Oh, let's see what OG looks like on the Knicks. That's fun. Um, but you guys have been so good. Since the trade, where I'm like, oh, maybe I underestimated, um, you know, OG Ananobi as a player, and I underestimated how well the Knicks would just mesh all together. Maybe I'd been a little bit lower on them. I mean, there's some part of me. Maybe it's my decades of watching the Knicks, where I I still have like some Knicks disbelief, you know, where it's like Like, because we have it too, so I don't. Yeah, like I didn't have that high. Like I still don't have that high of an opinion of Julius Randle as a player. I don't know what it is. Like maybe just I'm not. I'm no Knicks expert, but whatever. Like ten games I caught one year, I was like, I'm glad that guy's not on my team, you know. And then, but then like, then all of a sudden you're like, I'm checking box scores. I'm like, good lord, he's killing it again, and the Knicks are all winning all these games. And like Jalen Brunson, I mean, uh, you know, like I, I have an NBA podcast that has been coming out like weekly for a decade, and like when the Knicks got Julius, I mean, it got Jalen Brunson. Like, I was like, that's probably good. But I wasn't like, oh my goodness, what a steal. And then it turned out like, what an unbelievable steal. We were just like, shouldn't the Mavericks have signed that? Eh, I guess they thought it was too expensive. And now it's just like, what a catastrophe for Dallas. And like, and like, what a, you know, what what a great deal for the Knicks. So like, um, all this to say, like, maybe I underestimated the deal from the Knicks
1: side, from the Raptor side. I was just like, yeah, it's fine, I guess. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's a. That's actually a great point. And something we've been hitting home the last week or so is like how this team has been built is your reaction. Like, it's <laughs> that's probably fine. And then yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, that's better than I thought it would be. Yeah. It be like from Julius Randle on, it's been like, oh, yeah, OK, he was OK. His last his one year in New Orleans. It's a fine deal that they gave him. And then two years later, he's all star, all NBA, most improved player. And he's made three All Star teams since then. The only other Nick to do that this century is Carmelo Anthony. Yeah.
2: Well, one of the funny things, too, and I, I think I really held this against Julius Randle for a while. So, like, mm-hmm. he wins that. He won, he won, musterproof player. Is that Not right? player, yeah. So, like, he, was like, oh, he's so much better. And I'm like, his stats are exactly the same. He's just playing five minutes per game more. Then he did when he was on the pad. So I was like, his per his per thirty six is exactly the same. Why does that make him better? And this again, the, 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 it's bad that we as podcasters try to cover the whole league sometimes. We're like, I'm no, I'm no Knicks expert, but I'm like, I picked that stat. Was like, uh-huh. it's it's the same player. Why is everyone so enamored with Julius Randle? But I mean, the wins speak for themselves. Where now it's like, you know, you guys humiliated the Cavs in the postseason, and it's just like, and then this year it keeps continuing. We're like, man, like. The Knicks are good. And um, I do feel like sometimes we try, to, like, we try to like post, go back and figure out, you know, <laughs> where it's like, we, we start drawing these conclusions of why the Knicks are good. Um, and so like, I, I will say they're a bit of a mystery box to me still, mm-hmm. where it's like, there's a lot of guys where like, like I like signing Josh Hart or like the trade for Josh Hart. I'm like, yeah, hey, Josh Hart's cool. He plays how I like, which is like limited offense, but like does everything else gets yeah. rebounds and just like makes plays. And I love those guys. And so like, you know, Josh Hart is for me is a winner, but there's other guys on the team where I'm like, I never thought he was that good. But now the Knicks uh, seem to be this juggernaut.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data
1: It's kept you a little bit long. I don't know if you have time for one more question. Yeah, yeah. One more great. Up. Sure. So yeah. what the Mount Rushmore of rivals that I'm hinted at, I like to ask my guest who they decide is the people they look forward to, the teams they look forward to playing on the schedule every year. Um, we have our rivals in New York. They usually coincide with our football hate and our baseball hate. So Boston, Philly, you name it, Miami, yeah. you know. Uh, so I ask you, who are the, the four teams you look forward to playing the most on the Grizzly schedule?
2: So I feel like... I feel like so like you know Philly, Boston, New York these are like huge eastern uh seaboard cities with tons of professional sports teams. Uh-huh. Like you have this overlap of anger in like all the different
1: leagues. Like exactly. Yes. My, I can't I have uh, to include Miami. Like the, Dolphin yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. No, no, no.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, no. So, and obviously like you guys have this history of like, mm-hmm. you know, Pat Riley and all this stuff. Um, uh, Memphis doesn't have that. Okay. And I'm so, and I'm a Nashvillian. I live in Nashville. I get like, and I get blowback from Grizzlies fans. Cause I don't live in Memphis. Cause they're very particularly like they're cool with everybody, but Nashvillians. So like, and so that being said, there's not a lot of natural, just like city rivalries with Memphis when it comes to professional sports, because the Grizzlies are their only professional sport. So like, it's a little bit harder. I will say though, as, Grizz- as a Grizzlies fan, we've had our run-ins with the Warriors for a decade mm-hmm. And of course, the Warriors, you can't compare our franchise's success because they're a dynasty or whatever you want to define their long run as. They've been incredible. They have all these titles, but like we dislike them so badly now. And we, I think we used to like kind of admire and respect them. Not anymore. We, they, they've turned. Like we just, despise draymond green we despise clay thompson we really dislike steve kerr like so like that is a rivalry game i know you can't compare like playoffs and regular season but like the grizzlies beat the warriors a lot more than most teams do and so like we kind of feel pretty good we like puff our chests chests out a little bit where we're like they have a terrible record when they come here we blow them out a lot when they come here um we put up a good fight which is like, we'll raise that banner. We don't have any banners in FedEx for him, but we'll be like, put up a good fight. 2015, 2021 uh, against the golden state warriors in the second round. Um, so like, we don't like the warriors. I'd say they're definitely like a rival. We get up for um, mm-hmm. currently also the Lakers, like because of, I think last year's playoffs to Dylan Brooks thing, um, the Shannon sharp, those races game, Shannon sharp, like got into a yelling match with That's the Grizzlies, right. yeah, which was really yeah. weird. I mean, anybody else would have been thrown out in any other arena. Doesn't he have that fan code of conduct card? I don't know how he was allowed just to walk on the court and instigate with our players. Um, but like, I don't know, maybe the Lakers, um, We've had a history with like Clippers and and Thunder over the years, but like those just kind of come and go. If there's any geographical rivalry, it's with the Pelicans, but and that's more friendly. I've been trying to stoke Uh, that one, like we because like there's the obvious, there's a geographic connection, the Mississippi River. Um, they're very close cities. They have a lot of musical history, really cool cultures in both cities. And you know, Ja and Zion, one and two in that draft, they're both from South Carolina. It seemed a natural like we got to get this going. But unfortunately, both teams have never been quite good enough and or our stars have been hurt and they don't play each other that much. Uh, and so the the weird careers of Jaw and Zion haven't overlapped for a lot of like memorable battles yet. So I guess that's like maybe uh, a Mount Rushmore of like rivals, but it's really weird. Like we don't have I feel like that's, I don't know, like I'm trying to think of other like who do the Pelicans say their rivals are? I have no idea. Like do, when they, I do they do they, do they hate do they,
1: pod, the Grizzlies? Did come up? I yeah, say. yeah, that's great, yeah. that's great.
2: Do they hate like the Hawks because of like Saints Falcons rivalry? Yeah. I have no, you know, I have no idea. So it's like there's no, there's no, there's no Memphis football to like get mad at. You know, whoever. Like I'm so sick of the Cowboys, and you know we hate. I mean, maybe we hate the Mavericks, but I don't feel like a lot of distaste. We've never. We've never had like a a, a postseason wait. Oh, yeah, Dirk destroyed us like forever ago. But Mm -hmm. like, yeah, so maybe a postseason battle would do that. But um, yeah, I would guess it would just be like Warriors, Lakers, Pelicans. And I don't know.
1: I'm honestly at a loss for like a fourth. The playoff one I thought that you were going to mention was the Spurs, because I know the the Grizzlies trip to the conference finals coincided with the Spurs taking care of them. And I think that was a sweep, right? It wasn't like for a while, the Grizzlies, like their trips, like the, the Grizzlies also defeated the Spurs eight in as an eighth seed to, it is true. We've, we've, we've
2: faced the Spurs a lot in the postseason. I think at least three, maybe four times. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know, like it was such a it wasn't a rivalry because we were getting destroyed, you know, for like the entire Tim Duncan run, we were getting smoked. And um and there's so, a lot of teams yeah. that, that so, fall like, yes, that category. yes yeah. we we beat him, we beat him eight versus one that one year. No one ever talks about it when discussing Tim Duncan's legacy. Um so we we beat him that one time, but then the other times, even the conference finals, like we were we were a fraudulent conference finalist um that year. We 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 got some why injury so, luck. why did you well, we say? Got we, hurt. Okay. Yeah, we were good. Like, we were good, but like, I don't know. Mm hmm. We weren't one of the two best teams in the West. We did take the we did take the Spurs to. We went to overtime twice. I feel like there should be a term for this: this mm-hmm. sweep where two games go to overtime. It's like it's it's, it's, it's footnotes.
1: Yeah, the it's footnotes. Like, yeah, yeah, like we
2: got swept, but like we were really close two games. Like
1: you know, so like, that's how I and a lot of Lakers fans talk about the sweep of against the Nuggets last year. It's like yeah, yeah, it was a sweep. Oh, they always say a very competitive. That was sweep. a competitive sweep. You know, no one yeah. ever calls
2: Spurs vs. a competitive sweep. So I don't. You know.
1: That's that's the term we'll call it from now on. Anytime you get swept with their four competitive games, it's a a competitive sweep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. So, well, I, I do hope that the brighter days are on the horizon for the Grizzlies because I enjoyed um, the Ja Morant trip and the, the team from two years ago that won like a ton of these games without Ja, And then they, they unfortunately ran into some injury, bad luck in the playoffs. And like I, I enjoy the, the the what they've built and how they're able to do it mostly through the draft. So um, I'm I'm rooting for you. Have a Knicks fan that at least wants to see uh, the Grizzlies uh, see better days uh, at least next year is concerned. Um, and I do thank you, Keith, for taking time out of your schedule to join me for this episode. Before you get out of here, please plug what you'd like to plug for all the fine folks at home.
2: Yeah, if you want to know anything about the Grizzlies, just check out Grits and Grinds. And then um, uh, Fast Break Breakfast is my NBA podcast. um on a brief hiatus, but returning okay. strong uh, later this month um, is the plan, at least. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Keith. Once again, a big thank you to Keith for coming on today's show and helping me preview this matchup against the Memphis Grizzlies. You know what to do, the KFS bump. The link is in the description, both to his YouTube channel into the iTunes and the Spotify and, you know, to do the five-star rating. Uh, just t- take care of them. They're th- 18 and 32. Like, four people are healthy. Uh, take care, Keith. That, that, that's, what, that's what we should do. Make sure we send our best wishes to the Grizzlies. Uh, now, hopefully... The Knicks being shorthanded, I mean, Josh Hart would be the best player on the Grizzlies at the moment. And we know we're all frustrated with Josh Hart uh, these days. So uh, let's hope the Knicks take care of Vince's on Tuesday night. We'll be doing a watch along with John and Jeremy and Mensa. So if you want to tune in for that, you can on the YouTube channel if you want to join us uh, or able to join us on playback. The link to our Patreon is also available on our website. Speaking of our website, stay tuned on Wednesday. To our merch store. We have a a special thing dropping that is the number one product that I've been asked about. That when are you going to have blank? And we finally, finally came up with it. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Uh, Just pay attention to our uh, social media. And then um, Jeremy will also have a bit of an announcement if you missed it on social media on Wednesday night on his episode of Capitals Everything Around Meat Cream. As far as I'm concerned, I'll be back on Thursday morning with an episode to preview the matchup against the Mavericks. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight, and I'll speak with you soon. Peace.